Welcome to the Specialty Pharmacy Podcast, your prescription for specialty pharmacy success. Hello, and welcome to the CSI Specialty Pharmacy Podcast. I'm Andy Madigan, and today's topic is pharmacy accreditation. And I'm pleased that we're going to hear from one of the industry's true experts in that realm, that's CSI's senior consultant, Vajiv Menon. Vajiv is a registered pharmacist with over 20 years of leadership experience across a broad range of pharmacy venues, everything from setting up large specialty pharmacies, as well as managing pharmacy operations for retail, mail order, health system pharmacies, and pharmacy call centers. He has also developed and overseen the quality program, designed and implemented successful workflow enhancements and performance improvement initiatives for several organizations. As a former surveyor for one of the industry's leading accrediting bodies, Bajeev brings a wealth of experience as an accreditation reviewer, which he regularly draws upon in successfully guiding pharmacy organizations of all kinds to achieve accreditation. Welcome, Bajeev. Thanks, Andy. Thank you for that uh, kind um, introduction. Really excited to be uh, part of this podcast conversation today. Sure. And accreditation is one that um, always draws a lot of interest. For those who may not be familiar with the concept of of accreditation in pharmacy, specifically specialty pharmacy, can you briefly walk us through that process? Yeah, sure. So um, there's there's a few different accrediting bodies, but most of them have a very similar process, which is um, it is multi-step. Obviously, begins with the initial phase of contracting with the accrediting body to establish what kind of program the organization is going to be seeking accreditation for. So that's mostly contract legal kind of work, which is then followed by a submission of documents which serve as evidence for meeting the different standards of the the accreditation program. So all the accreditation programs have a whole bunch of standards specific for specialty pharmacy, and the organization provides documents such as policies, procedures, meeting minutes, etc., to show evidence that they do meet the requirements. Once that desktop review process is completed, um, which involves uh, going back and forth uh, between the accrediting body and the organization to tweak those documents, as needed. Then it goes on to the next phase, which is the validation review, which can be comprised of a visit to the applicant's pharmacy, the site, and or a virtual review as well to be conducted along. So that in a nutshell is the process. And so, and so it goes from the beginning contracting, desktop review, followed by an actual on-site visit. So tell me, Vajiv, from your experience, which of the following statements would you say is closer to the truth? Do you think that most pharmacies view accreditation as a mandate that they grudgingly comply with, or do you think that most of them view accreditation as an opportunity? So that's a very good question, and there's different types of uh, um, organizations that seek accreditation, just to preface this a little bit. And I would say that a few years ago when we had a lot of independent pharmacies that were seeking accreditation, um, uh, there was more of a requirement to comply in order to get uh, contracts with payers, et cetera. So quite often we saw that 
I don't know if I want to use the word grudgingly, but there was certainly a reluctance uh, on behalf of the pharmacy, the applicant, the independent pharmacy type, especially in seeking accreditation. However, we have seen a shift in the type of organizations that are opening and seeking accreditation to mostly health systems, specialty pharmacies now. And in their case, they actually see it as an opportunity to uh, firm up their processes and see um, how they can improve their existing functionalities. And um, so it's a combination of both. They do uh, see it as an opportunity to improve, but also it is a a requirement for getting the payer contracts as well. So I, I think I would uh, remove the word grudgingly for now, but uh, uh, because they do see the advantages of going through the process. All right. I know um, that the topic of accreditation does cause anxiety. Do you think that that's well-placed? Uh, from your experience, do most organizations have good reason to be concerned? Or would you say that most are better off than they give themselves credit for? Um, we see several instances when, as an organization goes through the accreditation process, that they realize that they have to make significant changes, improvements, introduction of new programs. So in many cases, the anxiety is well-placed, but often they are very select areas that the anxiety uh, is really needs to be in place, if you will. Quite often, there are many things that the organization does, but they just need to improve things a little bit in terms of documentation or having some structure around some of their processes. So uh, while there are certain areas that yeah, need a lot of work, there are others that the processes just need to be tweaked a little bit. So fair to be anxious, but um, in many circumstances or many organizations, the they have a lot of things already in place, so no need to be too anxious. When working with pharmacies and helping them prepare, do you find that most of them have one person, like a, I don't know, head of quality or or a compliance, who leads that project, the accreditation project, or do most of them assign tasks to a, a lead pharmacist or a, or a team of other professionals who have broader responsibilities, like a day job, but they've got something else that really occupies their time. Yeah, there's a, a, most often yes, there is one person um, who serves as a point of contact um, and heads the quality program um, or the accreditation, oversees the accreditation processes. Several instances, this can be a pharmacist uh, in charge or a clinical pharmacist, but bigger the organization, the chances are they have a dedicated person for quality and accreditation who oversees um, this process. But of course, they have to work in very close coordination with the clinical team, the pharmacy operations team, uh, other sections within uh, within the organization, be it marketing, IT, human resources, etc. Do you think one model tends to work better for the organization? In other words, having a single point of focus versus a team? Yeah, um, absolutely. Having uh, one person <laughs> who takes the lead on the accreditation process uh, definitely works. It's a smoother process because there is a lot of coordination among different departments, and uh, certainly that is our recommendation.
Can you tell our listeners what are maybe three or four things that they can do as an organization to be better prepared for accreditation? Sure. Um, I think first and foremost is to familiarize with the requirements of the accrediting body as to understanding what is needed um, in order to achieve accreditation. So quite often attending a training session from the accreditor, whether it be a webinar or a live training session, pays dividends for sure. Once, Once that's done, it is a matter of uh, developing the areas of need. So quite often we see areas such as patient management, um, a formal quality management program, any any functions such as those that need to be developed quite often from scratch. I would say those need to be developed in the beginning because it involves a lot of work. And thirdly, I would say having policies and procedures around every aspect of what the specialty pharmacy does. These need to be developed in the beginning. They need to be revised uh, on an ongoing basis in order to make sure that you have the most current and accurately reflecting document upon submission to the accrediting body. From your experience, what what are the three biggest areas that most pharmacies are are not prepared for? Uh, so I, I, I'll kind of tie this back to the uh, previous question, and, and some of the biggest areas that they're ill-prepared for is um, the quality management program, the patient management program, that these are completely absent in several cases. Um, every pharmacy does uh, patient counseling education. There's a lot of good clinical work that's done, but quite often there is no structured program around that. Same with the quality management program. There is no formal way of uh, tracking errors, analyzing those errors. So uh, these are areas that need to be developed, documented, um, have regular follow-ups, etc. Beyond that, one of the other areas that the pharmacies are ill-prepared is lack of policies and procedures. Um, Quite often we find pharmacies are doing a a lot of work, but nothing is documented. So there is is a lot of variability in how different different processes are done within the organization. And thirdly, going back to documentation is even beyond the pharmacy when it comes to when it comes to other departments such as human resources or personnel files, there are IT functions. There is sometimes a lack of documentation there as to uh, making sure the requirements of the personnel, their uh, required qualifications are met or required risk tests are conducted by the IT department, etc. So what are the top areas of deficiency that you most often encounter with companies' policies and procedures? Uh, so, so quite often we come across policies and procedures that do not truly reflect what the organization is doing. Quite often the documents are outdated, the procedures have changed, new systems have been introduced, um, but the actual policy and procedure does not reflect these changes. We also note in several cases that a lot of operational efficiencies have uh, are in place, and hence again, the policy and procedure has not been 
change to reflect those those improvements. So it's a matter of making sure those documents, the policies and procedures are current with what is actually being done. And of course, that they are a sound process that 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 is completely vetted. All right. So when should an organization start planning for accreditation? That's a good question, too. I, I would say that the organization starts uh, the planning uh, at least a year before the target date for accreditation. Keep in mind the multi-step process we talked about in the beginning, given the different areas, and then establishing any needs, especially if there is a complete lack of the big programs I talked about, like patient management, quality management, establishing those, getting them in place, getting the right personnel. It takes takes quite a bit of time um, in many instances. So as a, as a general guide, I would say give it a year before your target date for achieving accreditation. Yeah, good advice. What's the best way that a pharmacy can educate its staff, its employees, about the accreditation process and how they're going to need to be prepared? The best way to do it is through uh, staff meetings and in their relevant relevant areas of practice. So, as I mentioned earlier, it's always uh, good to have one person who is overseeing the accreditation process, and the expectation would be that this person is uh, has good familiarity with standards across the program. So whether it be the clinical standards, patient management, quality standards, um, IT marketing, even if it's not an in-depth understanding, at least have a cursory understanding. But when it comes to individual staff members, the general recommendation is that the staff be trained on standards relevant to their job function. So in other words, the pharmacy staff are trained on the operational standards. The clinicians, the pharmacists are trained on pharmacy operations as well as patient management. So it's a matter of dividing and training the staff on what uh, what their uh, respective job functions are. Switching gears a little bit, specialty industry analyst Adam Fine looks each year at the growth of accreditation as a measure of growth in the specialty market. Each year, he produces a market report that focuses on, among other things, the market share of the accreditation agencies, so URAC and ACHC and CPPA. I guess the big takeaway the last few years has been that cumulatively, the segment of accreditation is still growing at a pretty healthy clip. So it's a a good indication for the specialty market as a whole. But one noteworthy trend is the site of care. And I think you mentioned that a little bit earlier with hospitals and health system specialty pharmacies nearly tripling over the last three-year period, while independent specialty pharmacies saw the biggest decline in accreditation. Now, with the growth that we've seen in health system specialty pharmacies kind of getting into the game. What different advice would you give them about the accreditation process as you might give to an independent or a freestanding specialty pharmacy? Oh, um, yeah, I mean, that is a, I mean, it's a, it's a great, uh, great report out there. And the, the biggest thing that I would say is health system pharmacies have a lot of advantages in terms of having access to the patient's medical record. Quite often, the electronic medical report, uh, record, which has a lot of uh, clinical data, progress, which uh, the 
uh, specialty pharmacy can take advantage of and making sure that there is patient care taken, uh, patient care that's done as a whole. Uh, so, as an example, quite often the lab data for a certain condition, the progress notes are in the electronic medical record, and the specialty pharmacy has access to it, so it certainly helps the clinician in taking care of the patient. So, it's it's quite often taking advantage of the patient's medical record in making their specialty clinical program even more effective, certainly something that an independent pharmacy does not have access to. And this certainly is, it's great for the patient's continuum of care. Is there value in obtaining multiple accreditations? And if so, which ones should most pharmacies be considering? So we have noticed recently that there are some payers that do require multiple accreditations. Usually what we see is a combination of URAC plus one of the other ones, whether it be CPPA or ACHC. And a part of what dictates that depends on the um, individual payer requirements, which um, may vary depending on the market and who the biggest patient population has as their um, insurance provider. But the one other aspect I will point to is for the organization to kind of evaluate the synergies between the different accreditation programs. And um, sometimes it's there may be one accreditation that's easier to pursue when you already have the URAC accreditation, and or you may end up having to make several tweaks to the program to in order to satisfy both. So um, it's a little bit of pair requirements and what uh, what the differences between individual accreditations are that need to be evaluated by the pharmacy. What advice would you give to an organization that's pursuing accreditation for the first time? Yeah, so uh, when an organization is pursuing accreditation for the first time, uh, like we mentioned earlier, it's important that they have a dedicated person who is able to coordinate with the different parts of the organization, get um, staff trained appropriately, operationalize different programs, etc. So in other words, it is a very involved process. It takes a lot of effort that the entire organization needs to be part of be aware of what the purpose is and be very involved in developing the requirements from those specific departments. So that in a nutshell is is what I would tell the an organization seeking accreditation for the first time. And what about advice that you'd give an organization as it pertains to working with a consultant? I know some of the larger organizations that have more developed uh, quality and compliance functions might undertake uh, an accreditation on their own, but some of them oftentimes will choose to seek advice from, from various different companies. What sort of counsel would you give them on making that decision wisely? Yeah, I think uh, it it is very critical to have uh, the right type of consultant to, uh, for the accreditation effort. And ideally, the consultant should have a uh, experience with the accreditation process, of course, but not just a cursory understanding of the accreditation requirements, the standards or printed material, if you will, that the accreditation agency provides. Quite often, there is a lot more to the 
accreditation standard that then meets the eye. And if uh, it, so, it may be a matter of having a more involved process. But more importantly, what we see is there are many ways to meet the requirements of an accreditation standard more efficiently. The organization sometimes does not even realize that a certain standard can be met uh, or is already being met, but it just needs to be tweaked a little or the process needs to be documented or, like we said earlier, taking advantage of the electronic medical record to satisfy many of the requirements for patient management, et cetera. So there's a lot of efficiencies that can be uh, that can be realized in using the right consultant to make the whole process a lot smoother. Great. Thanks so much for that. That's about all the time that we have today. So with that, I'll thank Bajiv for sharing your insights with us, and we look forward to having you join us again. Thanks, Andy. My pleasure. It was uh, definitely uh, uh, very exciting to share some of my thoughts. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the CSI Specialty Pharmacy Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to subscribe on your favorite podcast delivery platform. I also encourage you to visit our website, csigroup.net, where you can download your free copy of the 2019 State of Specialty Pharmacies Report. And if you'd like your voice to be heard on the 2020 State of Specialty Pharmacy Report, the survey window is currently open, so you can find a link to complete the 2020 survey on our website. That site, again, is csigroup.net forward slash survey. You can also keep up with us on social media by following us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. CSI Specialty Group is a subsidiary of group purchasing organization, Intelair. CSI expands Intelair's suite of solutions to healthcare providers, health systems, pharmacies, and pharmaceutical partners. Intelair is owned by Intermountain Healthcare, a leading healthcare system based in Salt Lake City, Utah. CSI supports our parent organization's vision of providing tailored, smart solutions to help deliver superior services at an affordable cost. You've been listening to the CSI Specialty Pharmacy Podcast. Until next time, good day. Thanks for listening to the Specialty Pharmacy Podcast. If there's anything we mentioned in today's show you missed, don't worry. We take the show notes for you at csigroup.net slash podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, please consider pressing the subscribe button on our podcast player so you never miss one of our future episodes. And if you haven't given us a rating or a review on iTunes yet, please find a spare minute and help us reach and educate even more of our specialty pharmacy peers. The Specialty Pharmacy Podcast is a production of CSI specialty group your go-to firm for all things specialty pharmacy thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time doctor's orders